Well, today we're wrapping up a teaching that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks called Who You Say I Am. And Pastor Chuck's done an incredible job. Week one, he talked about God the Son and helped us sort of wrap our brains around that Jesus has always been and always will be. Week two, last week, we talked about something that honestly in our circle of, of influence doesn't get talked about a lot, the, the idea of Pentecost Sunday. And we talked about what that actually means and what's involved in that. Today, I wanna look at God the Father in a very specific way. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to follow along. Or if you have the Bible app, we're gonna start in Genesis chapter 12. And here's what we believe around here, is that every single one of us are designed to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father that every single person on the planet is designed to know him and is designed to have a relationship with him that's real and personal and life-changing. And just like any other relationship, it takes an investment. And one of the best ways, one of the best ways for any relationship to go deeper, one of the best ways for any relationship to be stronger, one of the best ways for any relationship to be uh, more well-rounded is to have actual conversations. Now, I know that that sounds obvious, that communication and conversations are essential, but it's amazing, it really is. It's amazing that research shows that one of the reasons there's so much friction in the workplace and one of the reasons why there's so much friction in the home place is because people just don't have the right conversations. In fact, there's a book that uh, has sold like four bazillion copies (laughs) called Crucial Conversations. And it talks about in the book, in the workforce, that there are conversations that are weighty. There are conversations that are essential. There are conversations where there's something at stake, where the two parties see it differently. But if you have that conversation well, it could literally change not just now, but from now on. And I think that's true when it comes to the life of our faith as well. In Genesis, we get to read the story of a guy named Abraham. And the reason why I'm using him today as our example is because we get to see the span of his lifetime. And what we get to see is that in so many ways, there are crucial conversations God has with Abraham. There are crucial conversations where God meets Abraham where he is and invites him to take a next step. And one of the things that I truly believe is that all of us have a next step. All of us have something more. There's something that God wants to do. There's something that's crucial about these conversations, that there's a lot at stake, that there's weight to them. And if we handle them well, they'll affect not just now, but all eternity. And so I wanna show you how God has this conversation. What's interesting is when you look in scripture, certainly there are times that God preaches There are certainly times that God teaches, but more often than not, God helps his people move through conversations. It's even true in the life of Jesus. When Jesus was on this earth, certainly there was times that he taught in the synagogue and certainly there were times that he preached on the mountainside, but more often than not, you would find Jesus at the table with sinners. You'd find Jesus in the homes of the outcasts and you would find Jesus with his disciples having crucial conversations. There's a lot we could say about it today, but there are four crucial conversations that I believe that God has with Abraham and God has with you and I as he forms us spiritually. If you're following along, conversation number one is what we call the conversation of salvation. It's the conversation of salvation. 
Now, there's a lot that we could say about Abraham that we don't have time to go into today, but we first read about this in Genesis chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, look there with me. In Genesis chapter 12, God shows up and he has a conversation with Abraham. Sometimes the conversation is verbal. Oftentimes the conversation is through actions. But listen to what God says in Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, now the Lord said to Abram. We'll actually talk about the distinction of that name in this week's weekday podcast. But listen to what he says. Now the Lord says to Abram, go from your country. Go from your kindred and your father's house and go to the land I will show you. In other words, God's showing up and he says to Abraham, he has this conversation, hey, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave everything that you know. I want you to leave your comfort zone, leave where your family is, leave where you grew up. And I'm gonna ask you to go someplace. And instead of showing you where it is yet, I'm gonna tell you along the journey. There's no app for this. There's no GPS. There's no drop a pen and here's where we're going. God says, I just want you to trust me. And listen to what goes on. Here's what it says in verse two. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and so that you will be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those that bless you and him who dishonors you, listen to this, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so when God first comes to Abraham, when God initiates this conversation, Abraham has a comfortable life. He's sort of set where he is. And God says, but I have something more for you. I want you to leave where you're at, leave that behind. And I want you to go someplace new. In so many ways, this is a conversation about salvation. Salvation is a word that literally means to rescue. Sometimes in the Old Testament, that word is used to talk about physical rescue, like being physically delivered from danger, or in the case of the nation of Israel, delivered from Pharaoh and from Egypt to be delivered from slavery to freedom. So sometimes it's a physical kind of word, but oftentimes throughout scripture, you see it as a picture of a spiritual rescue, a spiritual breaking away from the old, a spiritual taking a step towards the new. And that's something that God invites Abraham to. He says, look, I want you to leave all of this stuff and here's what you're gonna get. I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless those that bless you and anybody that dishonors you, I'm gonna dishonor you. And so look what it says in verse four. So Abraham went, and I'm thinking, no kidding. If God shows up and says, I'm gonna make your life work. If God shows up and says, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless those that bless you, I'm gonna curse those that dishonor you. I mean, in my mind, I add in, and anybody that cuts you off on Peachtree Industrial, I'll curse. Right, God essentially says, here's what I'm gonna do for you. And Abraham says, sign me up. But what's interesting is the conversation doesn't stop there. This conversation is critical because here's what I know that all of us are going to spend forever somewhere. We're designed for eternity. Everybody will spend forever somewhere. And here's what I know is that every single one of us were born into this world separated from God because of our sin. We have a sin nature and that sin nature puts a wedge between us and our heavenly father. But the Bible says in Romans chapter five, that even while we're still sinners, that Christ died for our sins. Think about how powerful that is. 
that, that we're, we, we come into this world, we have sin in our life. The thing that we deserve for our sin is to be separated from God for all of eternity. But God, out of his love, out of his compassion, sent his own son to die on the cross for our sins. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for his own sins. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. He died for the sins of the world. And when Jesus died on that cross, it's like he became a sin magnet where he took everything that we've done wrong against ourselves, against God and other people, and he paid that price. And then as the team sung about just a few minutes ago, he beat death, that he is alive, and he's able to give to anybody that would ask him a brand new start. That's an essential conversation that all of us are gonna spend forever somewhere. And the thing that determines where we spend forever isn't, well, I'm just gonna try harder. I'm just gonna do a better job. The thing that separates that is this fact that heaven isn't designed for people that are trying harder. Heaven isn't designed for people that say, I'm just gonna do better. Heaven isn't even for good people. Heaven is for those that have been forgiven. And the way that we're forgiven is through this first conversation of salvation. Let me ask you a question. Has that conversation ever happened for you? Has there ever been a moment that you've come to the end of yourself? Has there ever come a moment where you've turned from your sin and turned to him? Because this conversation, I'm telling you, is crucial. It's crucial. I remember for me, I I grew up going to church. Some of you have that background. Uh, Some of you maybe not, but at least for me, I grew up going to church. I remember when I was a little kid, one of my favorite things was during Sunday school, they would have jungle juice and they would have the little cookies with the the hole in the center so you can put put your finger through it and you can have cookie bling. You know what I'm talking about? I went to church for snack time. What's in it for me, right? And then I remember in youth, youth world, you'd go to youth camp and, you know, we're praying for youth camp this week. Uh, but one of the things, you know, it's like, is she going to be there? Is she going to be there? Mrs. Wright, Mrs. Wright now, right? You know, people, right? And, and growing up in church, you, there were things that you looked forward to. But here's what happened for me. It's there's a Sunday where every week my pastor would talk about what Jesus did on the cross and talk about the fact that every single person needs to make a personal decision about who Jesus is and what he's done. And every single week he would give an opportunity to respond. And there came a moment where that conversation got really personal for me. There came a moment where that conversation wasn't to anybody else. I felt like my pastor was talking just to me. And there came a moment where I had to realize I'd been to church but my heart had never been changed. And so for me, it meant I needed to respond to that conversation. Have you done that? Have you ever responded to that conversation? And if you have, have you lived beyond it? Conversation number one that I believe that God's having with many of us is the conversation of salvation. Conversation number two is what we call the conversation of struggle. It's the conversation of struggle. Uh, nobody gets really excited about struggle in the moment, right? When you start thinking about adversity and you think about uh, the ups and downs of our life, nobody in the moment appreciates the struggle. Now, on the other side of it, we can often look back and see how we grew, but listen to what the struggle is for Abraham. There's a lot of moments in Abraham's life that we can look at, but one of them comes from Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Listen to what it says. It says, now there was a famine in the land, which means there's no food. 
Right? They're running out of food. And then listen to what it says. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the, for the famine was severe. I'm thinking, so not only is there no food, but a severe famine means there's really, really, really no food. Not, not a good thing. So, so Abraham's traveling, and so he goes to Egypt where he thinks, oh, well, maybe we can find some food here. But listen to what happens in verse 11. It says, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. In other words, he's saying, I know you're a knockout. I know that, 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 that you look great. And he says, verse 12, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So he's got all this fear. I don't, I don't know if it's founded. I don't know if he knows story of, of beautiful women showing up in Egypt and, and Pharaoh or whoever killing their husband. I don't, I don't know if there's history of that, but I know fear is shooting up inside of him. And so what does he do? He turns to her and he says in verse 13, say, you are my sister. Now there's a lot of context to that where, where we could go into it, but essentially Abraham is asking his wife to lie for him. And he does this multiple times in his lifetime. He's asked, he doesn't want to face the consequences. He doesn't want to have an awkward situation. He's a little conflict avoidant. And so he turns to his wife and say, say to them, if they ask that you're my sister, that way they won't kill me, they'll let me live. And he does this multiple times. In other words, there comes a moment in Abraham's faith journey where after he has the salvation conversation, over and over again, he has to have the conversation around struggles. That there are weak areas in his life. There were areas in his life that he hadn't dealt with yet. There was some growing that needed to happen. There was some maturity that needed to happen. There were some, some things that were underneath the surface. And the way that you know that you're having this conversation with God is when those little things inside of you begin to bubble up to the surface. Those little things inside of you that, that you usually keep pushed down pretty well and you usually keep hidden and masked from everybody else, you would know this is the conversation. It's because God, because he loves you, God, because he cares about you, God, because he wants his best for your life, will bring them to the surface, not for your harm, but for your good. Because God wants to get, help us get rid of the things that are sabotaging our lives. Does that make sense? In the first hour, over here on the second row was Jeff and Sabrina Buser. They went with us a few years ago on one of our mission trips to Kenya. And Lord willing, we'll be able to return very, very soon over there. But one of the things that's interesting when we go to Kenya is when we first signed up 11 or 12 years ago, we said, we want to go to a place where they actually need us, that we can be helpful. And so the town that we're assigned is a town called Kasumi. It's West Kenya near Lake Victoria. It's not easy to get to. You fly into Nairobi, then you have to do a couple of plane changes and you end up on small planes. And a few years ago, when we were on this trip with the Busers and the Adams, uh, we were on a small plane. It wasn't teeny tiny, but it was small enough that you felt every creak and every move. You know what I'm talking about? You, you just felt all, you, your sensitivity was heightened. You, you feel everything. You're like, is that supposed to happen? Is that, is that right? Is that, is that sound okay? And so we're on this little plane. And my wife, Laura, uh, ordered uh, an, uh, an orange juice to drink on the flight. So the flight attendant, you know, came down the aisle, took all of our orders. And so my wife ordered this glass, this cup of orange juice, 
But by the time the orange juice came, I think, if I remember right, she fell asleep on my shoulder. And so the flight attendant shows up on this little plane where you feel every creak and every move. She shows up with a, a two full cup of orange juice. And my wife who ordered it is now asleep on my shoulder. So I'm trying not to move so I don't wake her. So now I have to hold this full cup of orange juice on this little plane. And right about that time, it felt like eternity. It was at least 10 minutes, it may, may be longer. But at that time we went through turbulence. And I'm not talking about just a little bit of tremor. I'm not talking about just a little bump. I'm talking, it looked like a comedy routine because the orange juice is like splashing out of the cup. And so I've got her sleeping on one shoulder. I've got this cup in my other hand and I'm like moving it around, trying not to let it slosh out, trying to catch whatever's bumped up, bumped up, bumped up. I look over at Jeff and Sabrina looking for a little moral support. They're laughing at me the whole time. And then Jeff, being the jerk that he is, he's not in this hour, so I can say that, he pulls out his camera and starts videotaping it. He doesn't help me, he doesn't drink it. He, and I'm like, I'm trying not to have a lot of extra sugar. So here I am doing this number this whole time. And I think sometimes that's what our life of faith feels like. I think there are seasons or there's conversations that God has with us where there, there's turbulence and there's jarring and there's, there's things that bump up against us where what's in us begins to pop up out of us. Are you tracking with me? I mean, I've had this conversation with a lot of people over the years where, 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 where they are self-sabotaging their lives because they're not dealing with the struggle. And so these are conversations that God invites us into. They're crucial because they could change the trajectory of our life. The conversation number one, salvation. Conversation number two is the conversation of struggle. Have you dealt with those things that are underneath the surface? Have, have you dealt with the things that are bumping up, bumping up, bumping up against you? Conversation number three is the conversation of surrender. The conversation of surrender. And so if you fast forward in Abraham's life, and that's one of the reasons why I picked him today, because we get to see the overarching story of his life. When you get to Genesis 22, something remarkable happens. One of the things that Abraham and his wife have been praying for throughout his whole story is that God would give them a son. And man, they struggled. They really did, they struggled. At one point, they tried to take matters into their own hands. And again, he had struggles over time. Uh, time and time again, it wasn't a one-time conversation. But finally, it seemed like, at least in Abraham's mentality, not in God's mentality, but in Abraham's mentality, finally God had given them a son, a son named Isaac. And, and, and this was what they had prayed for. This is what, what, what they had been asking God for. God, would you do this? God, would you do this? God, would you do this? And so here's what happens in Genesis 22, this conversation of surrender. It says in chapter 22, verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham. So fascinating. After these things, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. I'm thinking, no kidding. He's God, he knows everything. He knows where you are. I thought it was funny, thanks. <laughs> Verse two, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Can you imagine what that felt like? 
Can you imagine? You're Abraham. You've You've been asking God for one thing. God, would you give us a son? One thing. God, would you answer this prayer? One thing. God, would you show up? Finally, God shows up and God gives him a son and that son begins to grow up. His son begins to grow up and he sees the answer of prayer. And now God asks him in chapter 22, I want you to bring your son and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Again, there's a lot of context that we don't have time to necessarily dig into today, but but think about that. Take your son, your only son, your prized possession, and offer him as a sacrifice. Abraham doesn't know yet that God's going to deliver. Abraham doesn't know yet what's going to happen on the other side, but listen to what it says in verse 3. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men and his son Isaac. In other words, you know what's missing from this part of the conversation? What's missing is Abraham doesn't push back. What's missing is Abraham doesn't try to negotiate. What's what's missing from the conversation is Abraham doesn't say, all right, God, if I give you my son, what do I get in return? Do I get a more prominent place in the Bible? Do I get twins? Do I get a song sung at VBS every year? Father Abraham, who had many sons. None of that's in there. None of that's in the conversation. God, what do I get in return? And here's what's interesting about this part of the conversation of surrender is at this point in his conversation, Abraham is no longer following God just for what he can get. He's following God for who God is. That's surrender. That's amazing. There comes a moment in our lives where, where, yeah, Genesis 12 is awesome. God, show me what's in your hand, the blessings, the, the nations, the, the, the cursings of those that curse me. But there has to come a moment in our lives that over time as we have these strategic conversations that eventually we quit looking at God's hands, what can I get? And we start trusting his heart. It's sort of like what Pastor Zach leads us in so often around here, that little phrase, even when I can't see it, you're moving. Even when I can't see it, you're working, right? It's so powerful. And the way that you know that you're at this part of the conversation is that moment where it feels like maybe God hasn't shown you anything lately. Sometimes I have this kind of conversation with people where at the conversation of salvation, they, everything feels new and everything feels shiny and everything feels exciting. But somewhere down the road, it feels like maybe God's silent. Maybe God's far off. And the reminder in this part of the conversation is there's going to be moments like that. There's going to be seasons that feel like a spiritual drought. There's going to be seasons that feel like a spiritual winter. But just because God is silent doesn't mean he's absent. Just because God doesn't show you his hands every single day does not mean we can't trust his heart. Are you tracking with me? It's a crucial conversation. Some of us are having that today. Some of us are having that today. That instead of bargaining with God, we have to say, God, God, I I really do surrender. Conversation number four is the conversation of submission. It's the conversation of submission. What's interesting is that when we met Abraham in Genesis 12, he was 75 years old, which in their day and age was still young. In fact, we were hanging out with Laura's grandparents Friday night. Her granddad turned 90 this last fall, which is unbelievable. He, he works circles around us. He's out in his yard every day. He's digging up rocks, mowing the grass. He, he's just unbelievable. 
And so we're sitting there. They asked me how old somebody was, and I told them the age, and it was like 86, and they were like, that's young. Well, when we met Abraham, he was 75. Look at Genesis 25. This is so amazing. This is the end of Abraham's life. This is on the tail end of his lifetime on this earth. And here's what it says in Genesis 25, verse 7. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. Look at the number on the screen. 175 years. Isn't that unbelievable? So we've been tracking with him this morning 100 years. 100 years. And listen to what it says in verse 8. Abraham breathed his last breath and died a good old age, an old man full of years and was gathered to his people. I love that. That phrase full of years literally means that Abraham finally, after years of fighting God, after years of trying to be self-sufficient, after years of pushing back on the will of God and trying to do it his own way, finally by the end of his life, it says that he died full of years. That literally means that he died satisfied with life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That he finally came to a place of submission where he quit being stubborn and he quit being hard and he quit wrestling with God and said, not my will, God, but yours. And in the end, he was satisfied. He died with peace. I was talking to a mentor a couple of weeks ago on Zoom because everybody Zooms today, right? And so I was on Zoom with my buddy, my, my, one of my mentors, and uh, we were talking about a book I had read over vacation. And this book was uh, uh, the biography of a pastor. And this pastor said, if you boil down what a pastor does, there's a lot of things that people don't know pastors do. There's, you know, 95% of what we do is outside of Sunday. Uh, there's a lot that we do. But he said, there's two things that every pastor ought to do. Number one is they ought to teach their people how to pray. And then number two, they ought to teach their people how to die well. And that was, that, that sort of got my attention. I was like, die well. So I was talking to my mentor about this. And while we're on Zoom, he said, would it be okay with you if I shared my screen for a minute? I was like, yeah, of course. And so he clicked the share screen and he showed me the desktop picture on his computer. And the desktop picture on his computer is a picture of the little area where he and his wife one day are going to be buried. And he said, look, I get it. Some people may think that is weird. And he said, people may think that's morbid or strange, but he said, throughout the 2000 year history of the church, one of the principles that has helped people grow in their walk with God is this one little principle always keep your death in front of you. And man, I, that just hit me. It just reminded me that, man, we don't like talking about death. We don't, we don't like hanging out thinking about death. But the truth is every single one of us is going to face it. And the question is, when you're circled by three or four or five people, who do you want circled around you in those days? When somebody like me or Pastor Chuck or someone else stands up and talks about your life, what do you want them to be able to say? Do you want them to say, man, they fought God their whole life? 
They fought a lot of battles of regret. They pushed back. Would you like to be like Abraham and be able to go satisfied with where God's brought you and at peace with who he's made you? This conversation number four is to say, God, I'm tired of fighting. God, I'm yours. This morning, I'd love to pray for you here in the room. I'd love to pray for everybody that's watching online and even folks that are listening to this later through the podcast. I wanna pray specifically for what God's doing because I believe that God's having one of these four conversations with all of us today. And instead of praying generically, I would love to pray specifically for what God's doing in your heart. I'd love to be able to pray for how God is working at your heart. For some of you, it's, it's conversation number one. You've never been saved. There's never been a moment that you've turned from your sin and turned to him. And today, I'm gonna invite you to have that conversation. For some, it's conversation number two. There's struggles. There's, there's these internal self-sabotaging battles that you keep facing. And instead of ignoring them, instead of acting like they're not a big deal, to say, God, would you... God, would you help me? And I love what the scripture says, that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. God, I'm weak. God, would you help me? Conversation number three, the conversation of surrender. God, I'm not just after your hands. God, I wanna trust your heart that even when I can't see it, you're moving. God, even when I can't feel it, you're moving. God, that's where I wanna be. I wanna surrender. And conversation number four, submission. God, I'm tired of fighting. God, I'm tired of acting like I've got it figured out myself. God, I wanna be totally submitted to you. And so I just want to invite you, if you don't mind, would you bow your heads this morning as we pray? If you're watching online, if you are in a place you can do that, I would invite you as well. But this morning, as I pray for us, I'd love to know how to pray for you. What conversation do you sense God is having with you today? If it's the conversation of salvation, I'm going to invite you to hold up just that first finger to say, that's me. It's the conversation of struggle. There's stuff bumping up. There's some, some things that need to be dealt with. I'm gonna invite you to hold up two fingers today to say, that's conversation number two. If it's this idea of surrender, that, that you need to trust God's heart more, if that's the conversation, I invite you to hold up three fingers just to say, that's my conversation today. And maybe it's submission to say, I, 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 I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of calling my own shots and I would invite you in just a moment to hold up four fingers and say, that's the conversation. If you're watching online, you're welcome to comment below or you're welcome to drop us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. But as we begin to pray this morning, if you're here in this room, I just wanna ask you, which conversation do you sense God having today? If you don't mind, would you just hold up the fingers that go with that today? Anybody else, you just say, hey, pray for me. This is the conversation. This is the conversation. Yeah. Anybody else, you just say, pray for me. I'm in the midst of a crucial conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Heavenly Father, you've seen our hands, but God, you know our hearts. For those that don't know you, Father, I pray that they would have that conversation with you today. In fact, as I pray, if you're listening to my voice, I'd invite you to have that conversation. It doesn't mean that you have it all figured out. What it does mean is that you recognize who Jesus is, what he's done, and you put your full faith in him as best as you can. Maybe you wanna pray this part of the prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for my sins. 
and I believe you're alive today. As best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me and save me. God, would you help me to live for you? In fact, if you pray that part of the prayer, I would invite you to drop us a note today at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Hey, I, I, I had that conversation today. We would love to send you a free resource. We'd love to jump on a call with you or meet with you to have a conversation about that. But if you're in conversation two, three, or four, I'd invite you to pray this part of the prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'd give me strength to face my struggles. Give me a heart that is full of surrender. And God, give me the spirit of submission in my life. God, help us to handle this conversation well and help us to grow in you. Just a moment, I'm gonna finish praying. We're gonna stand together. Zach's gonna lead us one more time before we go. But man, if there's ever a time that we, one of our pastors, one of our team can encourage you, please don't hesitate to let us know. We'd be happy to do that on a Sunday morning. Some of our pastors, in fact, will be outside near the, the King of Pops uh, tent. We'd love to be able to pray with you today. Or if there's ever a time that we can jump on a Zoom call with you or meet you in person, we'd be so honored to do that. And the easiest way to let us know that, again, is to use that prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, or give us a buzz. Heavenly Father, in your name, we ask you to help us to navigate these important moments well. God, thank you for the example of Abraham, that it is possible that even when we're in struggles and even when we're in those moments of tension, that if we come back to you and surrender and we sell out to you and submit to you, that you can totally change our lives even better than we could imagine. Help us to have a long life of obedience, walking in the same direction. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are so grateful to get to worship with you every single Sunday this summer. Man, between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, there's going to be something fun outside. And so I want to encourage you, don't miss that. And, and uh, man, I, I just want to give you a commission that as we're out there, whether it's in the hallway waiting for the doors to open or it's outside uh, having whatever fun is out there, break the ice, get to know some people around you. Between the size of our church being just large enough that it's hard to know if you know everybody. And with COVID and all the social distancing, it's almost like it would be an okay thing for us this summer to hit reset and say, I'm gonna go out of my way, break my comfort zone and say hi to the people around me. Have we met yet? Tell me your name, uh, tell me your story. Wouldn't it be incredible if not only this summer we grew in our faith, but we grew in our relationships with one another. And it just happens with just saying hello. And so grab some popcorn today. If there's any popsicles left, grab those. But before we go, let's stand together. Pastor Zach, we're so grateful for you. Would you lead us one more time as we head out today? When I fight, I fight on my knees With my hands lifted up Oh God, the battle belongs to you Every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night
for being with us today. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you again soon.